0: PGCE Research Bytes, student teacher research from the team behind Emma and Tom Talk Teaching. Hello and welcome back to another edition of PGCE Research Bytes, where I'm joined today by Bethany Maunders, who's just qualified from our PGCE Secondary religious education programme, but is actually teaching four different subjects. What are you teaching?
1: I'm teaching RS, sociology, criminology and PSE.
0: Wow, congratulations. So a newly minted, newly qualified teacher has just started out in school in her first job and is back to talk about the most recent assignment that she did. Um, in which she carried out an intervention about something that she was interested in. So I guess the first question we have to ask is, what was the thing that you were interested in that you decided to do this assignment about?
1: My assignment was due on my second placement. So I decided to do it on challenging math students, um, so more able and talented. I decided this because my feedback from my CAP 2, from my CP1 placement, was that I needed to work on challenging the math students in a mixability classroom, Um, My second placement, has the they didn't do sets or tiers. They also worked off mixed solely. So I thought it was the perfect opportunity to work on my progression sets and work on my my own teaching pedagogy through the assignment. And then hopefully then by the time I got to cap three and cap four, through the help of the assignment, I could get to capable and QTS.
0: Yeah, so having those mixed ability classes, you get challenged, don't you? Because you've got the whole range there in your classroom. So I guess the first thing you did was to go and do a little bit of reading and finding out. So what did you find out from the literature?
1: It was a mixture, a mixture of things and things that I didn't even expect to come into my assignment came from meetings with my senior mentor who went through different types of literature to help, conversations with other PGC students and then my own reading as well. I found out very interesting when I was trying to think of what um, pupils to use in my case studies my brain automatically went to female students being my math students, yet because statistically the female students were getting higher grades. Yet in this school, my mentor with the classes we suggested, he said to go for male students because there was more male math students than female math students. And this kind of surprised me. And then theory backed it up that normal students at that age it should be the other way around that um, male students concentration is only four to five minutes female is up to 14 minutes Um, I never knew that I didn't realize that at all so not only did it help with picking my sample study I made sure to have both mix of genders but also then in my own teaching practice I now feel like I understand my students more and I understand how long to set tasks when I should tackle when I'll do pauses and I think it really helped. Like that was one of the main things that really sort of resonated then in my teaching day-to-day since I finished as well. Challenging math students, what was really apparent, and it's backed up in literature as well, was that there's a fine line between challenging them and then them switching off and being bored. The way you challenge them is really important. If you just lump more workload, more written essays more extended questions extended writing they're going to switch off and be demotivated and it's also then seen as a form of punishment (laughs) i think that's a bit harsh and the literature kind of backed it up as well (laughs) so um that's why then i decided not to go through challenging matt through writing but to do oracy instead because you you learn to speak before you write so that was my mentality.
0: Yeah, and they often kind of go, "Oh, I'll just challenge them by getting to help all the other pupils," and then they get annoyed at being the helper all the time, don't they? Sometimes.
1: Yeah, and you've got to be really careful with the student then as well because the social dynamics. Yeah. So some students that works really really well and it can get them out of their bubble. Other students, it can actually open them up to bullying. So um, you've got to be you've got to know your classes for that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, you have to be so careful in the secondary, don't you? Because there's all these kind of hormones and peer dynamics and all that sort of thing going on. Yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs) And I picked year nine where their hormones are really... (laughs) Really raging. Yeah. (laughs) Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, well, that's really interesting, isn't it? And also the way that kind of boys and girls will kind of present slightly differently. Yes. You know, they may be more able. Sometimes it it will kind of present itself slightly differently with boys than it does with girls.
1: Yes, it was my... That was the only thing. A lot of my literature, my theory that I was reading was what I was seeing in my classrooms except the boys and girls. That was the only one that was flipped and my cl- my classrooms across the whole entire year... It just didn't back up with the literature, so I thought that was a really interesting element. I could not include it in my assignment.
0: Yeah, there's this is sort of belief sometimes as well, isn't there? That because if you've got a class with quite a lot of more able pupils in, it's going to be easier to teach, and that that's no, it, definitely not the case. It's not the
1: case. Not the case but I, think mm. I find it harder, yeah. <laughs> but yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, they, they can really come at you sometimes. Yep. Okay, so having done that reading, then you you came up with a plan for something to try out with this class that you're working with. So w- what was the plan? What were you going to do?
1: So it worked out really nicely in terms of my placement. So I chose to do year nine. I managed to plan in advance so that I was able to talk to parents first, get their consent. I chose to do an opt-out form rather than an opt-in because that just with planning and timings that just seemed a lot more sensible. Um, you can also then use that as your part two evidence as well so it, it was helping my workload too. It worked out really well because they were starting the year 10 GCSE module so I could really challenge the ones th- and for th- Well, fortunately, the math students who I selected also four out of five picked RS GCSE. Mm -hmm. So um, they were really keen into doing it anyway. And so it was really good to have my first three intervention sessions with them because I kept it short to only three. And it was the brand new module, the brand new um, GCSE content. So it was kind of like a fresh start. They knew in advance that they... If I was to pick on them a lot more than the other students and ask them more questions, they knew exactly why and they knew when it ended as well. So um, and then my plan was then I planned the three lessons and they had some writing literacy tasks at the end. And I wanted to compare their work from previous lessons as to their literacy in the lessons where I did the intervention to see if the quality improved. So that's how I evidenced oracy as well, because that was a concern of mine. How do I evidence oracy? So I made sure to put in some tasks, which my questioning would help improve.
0: I see. Yeah, and oracy is quite a big deal at the moment, isn't it? There's a lot in the news as we're recording this about, particularly over in England, about the importance of oracy. So it's uh, nice to get that in there and part of the literacy numeracy framework. Okay, okay. so what was the actual impact then? What happened when you trialled this intervention with these pupils? Uh,
1: The first session... It was a bit rusty. the students were a little bit nervous. their work was fantastic. It, re- it really did it did improve. They were writing at least one more sentence in their 15 markers than they were in in the sessions before or they were adding like another key term or their notes in their books. We do a lot of um, mind maps or Venn diagrams to do comparisons and just by challenging them, challenging their knowledge, One of them ended up, instead of doing a page um, of notes on a mind map, he ended up doing two. And the other page, when I looked through his book, actually just had just thoroughly things that we had discussed verbally. None of it was included in the PowerPoint. And he was able to draw on them again. I made sure as well to make sure all three lessons linked so we could go back to lessons to see if their um, memory was working And um, if that's the right way to to say it, (laughs) and it was really good because not only did they score really highly and I made sure to put in some questions that would challenge them, but they then challenged me back. So um, one of them thought my answer was wrong because you could technically have two. And um, it was really, really interesting. And not only did I then have that debate with them to challenge their knowledge, but the other students jumped in, and it was things that I didn't expect. And they would back up their theory, back up conversations that we had had. And none of this was included in the PowerPoint. This was all down to the oracy and the challenge that we were doing. And so, not so it was a shame because not only in my assignment could I evidence the, the the written side of it, but if you could have seen my assignment live in the lesson, it was really, really, really interesting and inspiring.
0: Yeah, and I get the impression that all the yeah you got higher quality work out of them that were kind of there in their books and everything but it sounds like they were much more engaged with the lesson as well
1: yeah they were very shy the first lesson because mm-hmm. I was quite new into the school as well but yeah by the third lesson we had this big debate challenge sort of thing which I didn't even plan but yeah, yeah so
0: that's what you want I guess in in RE as well isn't it loads yeah there's to debate um, yes <laughs> And I suppose I'm just thinking, you know, as, I, as I'm as i hearing this now, this was for MAT pupils, but I'm, I'm guessing there's absolutely nothing here that's not applicable to absolutely all your pupils as well. No, it upstream. applies to
1: absolutely all of them. And they all thoroughly enjoy having debates with one another. When this one student was tackling me on um, whether I got the question yeah. wrong, it was, it was the other MAT students that were getting involved with the knowledge, but it was the other mixed to lower ability students as well that they were then looking through, checking their answers. They were looking up and saying, no, no, this is correct. And it was just nice because it was it was healthy. It was, yeah, I think that they they took a lot from it. And then when they left the classroom, I could see them having these conversations in the corridor. And it was just, yeah, I just put a smile on my day.
0: That really gives you buzz, doesn't it? Yeah. When they're still kind of doing the lesson as they disappear off into yeah. the distance. Yeah.
1: yeah, so it had an impact,
0: yeah. Yeah, real impact, real kind of positive impact. And, and I know one of the things we ask in the assignment is, to kind of know what this has done for your philosophy of teaching as a kind of practitioner yourself. So it sounds like we had a lovely impact on the pupils, but what was the impact on you? Has it moved on your thinking about teaching or has it really nailed down things that you you kind of believed already? What's been the impact on you?
1: It's really helped my teaching Um, using Bloom's Taxonomy. At first, I found it quite difficult to apply into the lesson, but now it kind of comes like second nature. Not only does it help with my lessons live in the lesson, I can I can build on, ch- I can challenge, I can see if the students are understanding or if I need to revisit topics. But it helps in my planning for future lessons because if we do need to revisit a topic just based on challenge alone through Oracy I can figure out time to do that, and I know exactly what gaps they're missing. In terms of understanding my students, I feel like I I understand them a lot more than before the assignment. It, it's not that long ago I was in school, however. I don't and I mean I can't resonate with someone from a different sex things like that so learning just the breakdown of students has massively helped just to understand them know their pressures know their weak spots before I would have planned a 20 minute in silent task I know now that that's not going to work you need interventions you need breaks you need to know the demographics of your class you need to know their concentration levels their abilities I just feel like I get them more and um I've just started in my new school in my new role and I have looked at my assignment this week just to pull out some things that I that I wanted to apply to my lessons as well. And I have actually got a whole folder of things that I've used from my PGCE and it has applied in the first week alone. And it's really helped me. Like I feel more just confident to to talk and to challenge. So, yeah,
0: I was going to say, actually, on that confidence thing, that was exactly what jumped out at me when you were talking about, you know, I just get to do a task, you know, nice and silent. I guess you need a bit of confidence if you're going to be enabling the pupils to talk and debate and potentially tell you that they think that you're wrong and all that kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. it's a harder road for you as a teacher, but it sounds like it's worth the kind of risk, I guess. Yeah,
1: it's worth it. And sometimes if you get it wrong, that's okay as well, because then, well, they're learning from it and they're the ones that are uh, benefiting, but you are as well, because especially in your NQT, you're going to get a lot wrong. So it doesn't matter if they pick up on it. But um, but in that instance, I didn't get it wrong. The answer was right. <laughs> so
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, as you say, you're an NQT now, you've got your own classes, you'll get to know them over a much longer period of time. Thinking a bit more widely, perhaps, than the specific assignment, having done two assignments now and, and done really well on them. What have you taken from that in terms of how kind of researching and inquiring and and intervening based on literature, that kind of thing might play a part for you in your future career? What do you think? And and is it you? You want to do a master's, is that right? I do want to do a master's,
1: yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what particularly in yet, but I know I'm going to give it a few years just to hone Mm. in on my teaching skills first. And then maybe in two, three years, I might have a think and see if I move on to do a master's. But that is something in the future. The NQT year, definitely, definitely you will use literature, you will use reading. Not just in the traditional way of just going to a library and looking at a book. It's more your research is talking to other staff members, talking to people in different departments. Over the next year, it's going to be, I, I don't know what to expect because I've never been with a class for such a long period of time. But I know I've already got some checklists. I'm going to have to research the content of the subjects. I've never done a criminology one before. And now I'm teaching criminology. So that's going to be a big hurdle for me. You don't tackle every topic in your year as well as an NQT, regardless if you specialize in that subject anyway. So you're constantly going to have to be learning the, the content and you need to know it thoroughly. So you can challenge. But you just need to just make sure you switch up ways, I, I guess. I mean, you... Not every lesson can be the same. You need to know, have different strategies under your belt. And you also need to have different strategies in case you're presented with a student that's not responding in the way that you need them to in order for them to make progress. So if you aren't a fan of going online and reading literature, just go and have a sort of pedagogy fair in your school. Go and go and see what other classrooms are doing. Um, NQTs get more frees than regular fully qualified teachers. Yeah. So... I. I'm not sure about other schools but in my school you're more than welcome to go and hop in and just see live in the lesson other people teach as well other members of the staff i'm very fortunate that i'm also with two other nqts in the program um we are always sharing pedagogy and we're sharing what we've learned and i'm definitely definitely going to keep i've got a hard drive of all the stuff i've made notes of this year on my pgc just in case i need it in case i'm presented with a class i really don't know what to do there are exams a month away need to find a strategy to help them learn it before their exams come in.
0: Very wise. Well, we've got one more question that we always try and ask people when they come and do this. And and that is that a lot of the people who watch and listen to these research bites are PGCE student teachers who've just started doing the assignment. So, you know, a lot of people watching and listening to this might have just started assignment two maybe next year or the year after. This is your chance to kind of pay it forward to the next generation. What... Top tips do you have for somebody on the other side of that hill just about to start? Have you got any? You may not have done them yourself. It may be something you wish that you did. I don't know.
1: Look at the breakdown guide that uni give you. They literally give you every section, bullet point what you need to include. Use it like a checklist. Literally have in your assignment, have the the breakdown, what bullet points need to be included, then write it underneath and don't get rid of it until you've included it. That's, that would, that would be my number one top tip just to make sure that you're confident when you submit that you have tackled every area. Also, don't leave it to last minute. Definitely don't. I didn't leave it to last minute. I was wondering. (laughs) No, I didn't. But even though I didn't leave it to last minute, it's a lot more work than you think it is. And I still cut, it still was pretty fine cutting for me because you're teaching on top of it. I was lumped with marking assessments the week my assignment was due in so but I didn't expect that at all as just part of my placement so you need to make sure that you are ahead and that doesn't mean writing the whole thing a month in advance (laughs) it just means maybe tackling one section a week and then you can revisit it as long as as long as you give yourself that breathe for the unexpected to happen then yeah that's absolutely fine I my undergraduate I left it to the last minute and I learned this time around and it saved me, so yeah.
0: <laughs> there we go. Confessions. Brilliant. Yeah. Loads of really wise advice there. Thank you for that. So thanks to Bethany for sharing her work with us. We'll be back with another edition of Research Bites soon. Thank you very much for watching and goodbye. pgce research bites comes from the team behind emma and tom talk teaching and is presented this week by me tom breeze it showcases the best student teacher research from the cardiff partnership for initial teacher education thanks to bethany maunders from pgce secondary religious education who joined us today to share her research podcast artwork is by beth blandford and the music is by cameron stewart We'll be back with a regular episode next week and PGCE Research Bytes will be back soon.